Please stand for worship. I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. A man's empty praise, treasures of faith, were never enough. You came along and put me back together. Every desire is now satisfied.
When hurricanes rush ashore, we're there. When tornadoes touch down, we're there. When floodwaters rise, we're there. In the midst of war and conflict, we're there. When help is needed the most, we are there. I don't feel like I've took a good breath since the day that I walked in the door to see my house was destroyed. Only thing I can say is I thank you guys for coming out and helping me the way you guys have. I mean, you just don't know the weight that was lifted this morning thanks to you guys. When we leave, I want them to feel hope even in a desperate situation. And I feel like God calls us to do that. This past year, you responded to disasters in Kentucky, Florida, North Carolina, and to refugees affected by the war in Ukraine. In all of these situations, we're there to offer help and hope in Jesus' name. There's just this thing when you get to come alongside and be his hands and his feet. It's rewarding to be able to let someone else know about Jesus. It's just, it's why you do it. Because of your generous support through the North Carolina Missions offering, we will be there. Well, good morning. Good to see each of you here this morning. Uh, would like to welcome you to our worship services this morning, those who are here and those who are joining online. Uh, and we would especially like to welcome uh, any guests that we might have today. And if you are visiting with us, we would like for you to take a care, care card that is in the pew back in front of you and fill that information out. Uh, we would love to get back with you uh, and uh, fill that information out and put it in the boxes that are the giving boxes that are on the back wall as you exit the foyer of the sanctuary. Uh, on the opposite side of the care card is a place for any anybody to fill out a prayer request, a prayer need. Our staff would love to know, love to know about those as well um, because we do pray for these uh, prayer requests. So please get that care card back into us. Um, with tomorrow being Labor Day, uh, we'll have no evening activities here at the church this afternoon. Uh, and also the, the church office will be closed tomorrow. So um, as you look behind me, you see all these pretty faces in the choir. Uh, and um, uh, this is a great time to put a plug in, though, for the adult choir. I really appreciate, uh, and I know you do as well, how they lead us in worship uh, but now would be a great time to join uh, the adult choir uh, as they are getting ready uh, to work on their Christmas music. And so uh, I'm sure Jonathan would love to have you come and be a part of the adult choir that meets on Wednesday nights at 630. Uh, also, we uh, are excited that our epic praise band is leading us this morning in worship. Uh, thankful for them and their ministry here at the church as well. Also, our youth ministry teams have kicked back up. 
Uh, we have resurrected, uh, resurrected our ensemble. We have puppets. Uh, we have clowns. And we also have um, uh, another area of ministry. Lisa, help me out here. Have brain burp. Puppets, drama, and uh, clowns. That's right. And ensemble. Uh, they meet at Sundays on five at 5 o'clock. And uh, if you would like to be involved in those ministries, young people, we would love to have you. It's not too late to be involved. Um, Women of Faith is a ministry opportunity for all senior adult ladies who are single, widowed, or divorced uh, that meets monthly at various restaurants uh, for encouraging fellowship. Uh, this Tuesday, September 5th at 1130, uh, you guys will be meeting at the Harrisburg Family House. And if you would like to be a part of that, just show up. Um, for more information uh, or questions, please contact Jamie Floyd. Um, this is a great missions month for us. Uh, we just finished actually last week our Saturday of Hope. And then coming up on September 17th, uh, it's going to be our MIA Sunday, Missions in Action, uh, where uh, in the morning worship we will have a guest speaker, a special guest speaker, followed by lunch in the core, and then there'll also be a missions fair where we will have uh, missions tables set up throughout the core, and you can go by and visit uh, those tables to see who our church is actively uh, supporting uh, financially and through our prayers. So I know that you will want to be a part of that Sunday, so make sure that uh, you put that in your, in your memory to be a part of such a special Sunday here on September 17th. Uh, with that said, we have a great mission, a local missions opportunity that is available for uh, adults to help out with Impact Kids. Impact Kids is an after-school Bible club uh, that will begin in October at Fur Elementary School and at Pitts Elementary School. There are volunteers needed on all levels. Uh, training is provided, so uh, please contact Marie Dellinger, Jean Sullivan, or visit their display in the sanctuary lobby for more info on that. Also, don't forget that our church picnic is coming up on September the 24th. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, it's at 4 o'clock, 4 to 6.30, and uh, we'll be at Frank Lisk Park. Uh, make sure that you bring some food with you. That's always a good thing to eat at picnics. So it's going to be a, a great day of fellowship. Uh, just bring enough food for your family and maybe a little bit more. Uh, and so that's going to be a great afternoon of fellowship that we get to have with one another. There'll be activities for all ages. We'll have some volleyball, some touch football, some disc golf, and we'll have some activities for children. And then we'll also have some board games for those of you who don't want to get hot and sweaty. So just come and be a part of, of, of a great Sunday afternoon. Um, seniors, don't forget, too, that your friendly neighbor's lunch is coming up on uh, September 9th. 19th, I'm sure you won't be a part of that as well. It's moved to the third week this year to accommodate uh, for our Gideon's Banquet. That will be on the 12th of this month. Um, wanted to give you a, a quick update on one of our, uh, our members, um, Brian Cook. Many of you know Brian uh, and uh, his, his wife, Tanya, and uh, their three children, very active in our church. Uh, this past week, Brian had a, a medical issue with his, with his heart, and he is actually right now in, in intensive care. And so uh, we need to be praying for, for Brian, uh, and today's a big day for him. And so we need to pray for him and his family uh, about 
um, the health situations that he has going on. Also, uh, we want to make sure that we remember uh, our pastor and Connie as they're away on their respite time uh, at the beach. Uh, be praying for them that they just get the rest, the well-deserved rest uh, uh, that they need. And then also be praying for Kevin Seeger as he'll be bringing uh, this morning's message. Um, let's take just a few moments in silence before the Lord and lift these concerns and cares up to the Lord. And then I'll close us uh, a voice of prayer for us. Let's pray together. Father, it's indeed good to know that in the silence you are there. Your word encourages us to be still and know that you are God. In any and all circumstances, Father, we have the greatest confidence that you are there in our midst. And so, God, I pray this morning uh, that um, especially for the Cook family, Lord, that they would know your presence in a very real way. And Lord God, I pray for Brian even now, uh, Lord, that you would bring um, healing to his body, that you would restore his body to health. God, I pray that Tanya and the children would know uh, your comfort, your strength, and your grace as only you can give it to them. Give them, Father, a peace that passes all understanding. God, give the doctors and nurses incredible wisdom as they continue to, to bring, uh, uh, to minister to, to Brian and his health, Lord. Uh, God, just give them the ability to, to do so, and we thank you for it. Lord, we do pray for our pastor and Connie as they are away uh, for a while. We ask, God, that you would just allow them to experience a much-needed rest. Uh, God, just uh, help them to, uh, to, to be able to know and, and, and sense that things are well back here. They won't have to worry about things going on back here at the church. But help them, Father, to know that they can just rest and unplug. Give them that much-needed rest that they deserve. Uh, Lord, we uh, pray for Kevin this morning as he uh, brings the message to us. Thank you for giving him the message. Lord, I just pray that you use him in a mighty and a powerful way to break the bread of life unto us. Uh, Lord, and I know in a room um, with this many people, there have got to be others who are hurting and who need help. God, I pray that they would have the faith just to cry out to you, Father, and let them know that you are Abba, Father, and that you are here and that you love them and that their, their need is of great concern to you. And so, God, I pray uh, that you would meet them right where they are. And, God, I pray that this morning, as we continue to worship and sing and, and pray and preach, that all that is done would be done to the glory of the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Father, we love you. Help us to love you more. Thank you for loving us first. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Till I lay my 
be seated.
you choir. Thank you, Aaron. I think that's the first time you've led the choir, isn't it? He's not, he's not looking. Anyway, Aaron is, uh, Aaron is studying at UNCC uh, to go into teaching music. And so it's great that he has those opportunities uh, as our music intern uh, to be here and do those things. We appreciate them uh, doing that for us today. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. I've been praying about what God would have me to preach uh, this morning And the word hope kept coming to my mind. Hope. In the English context, when we use this, uh, it's an an expression of a wish or desire. And when we use it, we're not sure that we're going to receive what we've hoped for. We might say, you know, I hope next week will bring us more spring-like temperatures. And then we look at the forecast and we go, no, it's probably going to be in the mid-90s again higher 90s again next week, or maybe I hope my wife will buy me a Harley on my next birthday. And looking over there, that ain't happening either. You sure? Okay, anyway. um, So anyway, hope. But when when we see the word hope in the scriptures, in the Bible, it's different. It's an attitude of certainty because it's based on a promise from God. But there will probably be some time before that promise is fulfilled. Like Christians have the hope of Christ's return. Amen? It's going to happen. In this attitude of hope, we know that we are one day closer to Jesus' return. But it should also give us urgency because we still have work to do. We still know people that don't know Jesus. Folks, if there is ever a time in my life when people need biblical hope, it is now. It is now. People are in search of it. I've had more conversations with people in the last couple of months searching for hope than I've had in a long time. And get ready because for the next 15 months, we're going to be hearing about where you can supposedly find hope to the point that you're going to cut off the TV commercials, throw away a ton of junk mail, and not answer your phone. But can I tell you that this kind of biblical hope is not going to be found in Washington. It's not going to be found in secure borders, a drop in inflation, or a solid economy, the most powerful military or a record-setting Tao. It can only be found in the promises of God that we find in His Word. That's where we can anchor our souls. In Hebrews 6, let me give you some background information. We find the writer dealing with Christians who have become discouraged because of persecution. They have become dull in their hearing of God's truth. They had forgotten the basic principles of God's word, even losing the understanding of what was right and wrong. Are we not seeing uh, those lines being blurred today as it even creeps its way into the church? At the beginning of chapter 6, the writer addresses those who had begun to follow Jesus' teaching. They They were taught the gospel 
They saw the Holy Spirit at work. They tasted the goodness of the Word of God and and saw the powers of the age to come. Yet they still fell away. Walked away from what they had experienced. They were so close. I know we like to blame a lot of things on COVID-19, but I am concerned that the pandemic has been an opportunity for those that were really not all in to fall away. Weeks of attending church with your extended family turned into months. Months have now gone to years, and as a nation, we have seen a mass turning away. Pitts has seemed to weather that storm fairly well, but there are churches in our area that are seriously struggling. Some of that same struggle was going on right here, of falling away. But look with me, beginning in Hebrews 6, verse 9, and would you stand with me as we read God's Word? It says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved... We feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your blessings, and we come to you this morning in search of hope. Not the hope of this world, but biblical godly hope that puts in us an attitude of of God you have promised and God you will deliver. We trust in you, God, and we thank you that you are a God that cannot lie, that you lay out your promises and your love for us in your word, and you do not waver. God, we waver, but you do not. We thank you for that. God, I pray we would be reminded of that this morning and If there are those here that maybe don't know of those promises, that maybe even today would be that day that they rest their faith in those. We ask this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen. Would you be seated? 
I want to take just a minute to talk about this description of Jesus given in verse 20. Of him having become a high priest forever under the order of Melchizedek. There are a lot of, there's a lot of scholarly debate as to who this Melchizedek guy was. He shows up on the scene in Genesis chapter 14, verse 17, blessing Abram, who would soon become Abraham, whose covenant with God would affect all nations because Jesus would come through his family line. Melchizedek is described in that passage as the king of Salem and a priest of the Most High God. But remember, this is way before the Levites or Aaron, way before those priests, before Moses laid out Levitical law. We don't have the time to really dig into this, but I would challenge you to read on in Hebrews, maybe later today, about the significance of Jesus being described as after the order of Melchizedek. Let me just give you a few summary statements here that that will tell us a little more of what they meant by saying this. First of all, it means that Jesus' priesthood was superior to the line of priests that came through Levi. Jesus was superior. Jesus, unlike earthly priests, does not need to be forgiven of his sins. Think about when the priest would go into the, to the Holy of Holies. What did he have to do first? Give a sacrifice for his own sin. If he walked into the Holy of Holies with sin in his life, because of the holiness of God, he would die. He couldn't do that. Jesus doesn't have to do that. He doesn't need forgiveness. He's never sinned. In fact, he is the very one that provided the sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. He doesn't offer the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. Jesus is God. He has no beginning or end. So he is our high priest forever. When they would have a a new high priest come in, they would have to go through training and understand what they had to do. Jesus is forever. No beginning or end. He is our high priest. There's no replacement. He's it. And then Jesus has, has provided a new and better covenant through his death, burial, and resurrection. He completed the work. And he said so. Some of his last words on the cross It is finished. The work is done. So going back to verse 9, the writer has been given a message of warning up to this point. But in verse 9, he switches to a different audience and a different message. He calls them beloved. Look back at it. Though we speak in this way, if you were to go back and look at how he was speaking, he was basically warning people, going after them, saying, what you're doing is wrong, though we speak in this way. Yet in your case, beloved, kind of changes from the audience who have fallen away to the beloved, the saved people, this audience, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. The mature believers are encouraged. Do you ever feel like your work for the Lord maybe goes unseen? There are a lot of jobs in the church, Pitts Baptist Church, that require hard work. 
usually carrying very little notoriety. Community group teachers who study every week and do such a great job. Nursery workers who, who deal with our little ones. Preschool teachers, bus drivers, building and grounds workers, audio-visual team. I see you guys up there. Don't turn my mic off. Um, they only get noticed if the mic's not up or there's a squelch. Somebody turns around. I don't know. I normally hear people walk over to the sound. People say, man, the sound was awesome this morning. But thank you, guys. Bereavement committee who, who make meals for our families who are struggling with the death in their family. Benevolence team of deacons. The ordinance committee who fill up all those little cups and make sure the, the bread's ready. Who stand back here with towels for the baptismal candles. You don't ever see them, but they have a job to do. Other committees like missions, finance, personnel, safety committee. I could go on and on. Ministry leaders, ladies ministry, men's ministry, grief share, friendly neighbors, cooperative Christian ministry, ministries, impact kids clubs. I could go on and on and on. There is a small army of people who serve week after week. You are faithful to your post because God has given you a gift or gifts when you were saved. And in your faithfulness, prove the change that has happened in your life by using that gift to serve him with passion. Folks, don't discount your work for the Lord. Don't discount it. He sees you. He is keeping track. And if no one says thank you, even though sometimes it's nice to hear it, keep on doing it in his name. It's for his glory anyway, amen? Number two, he addresses those on the fringes uh, to encourage them next. Look at verse 11. It's like he started over here with this group. And then he says, and we desire each one of you you know, in the context of the scripture, when we read it, we don't see the body language. But here we see a new group being addressed. We have the faithful saints. We have the ones that fell away. The faithful saints. The, uh, saints. And then he goes to verse 11. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but be imitators of, of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Who are these folks on the fringes? The curious, who are there, but again, still on the fringes. This could be new believers that are watching the faithful. They want to find out how God has gifted them. They're not sure how to get really plugged in. Folks, I want to encourage you, you heard in the announcements that Kevin gave that on September 17th, that Sunday, it's our missions day, we'll be asking you to fill out a ministry survey and turn that in. Don't take it lightly. Fill that in. We, we want to know what your interests are, how you're gifted, what you love to do. We'll soon be working on adding people to committees for 2024. And this helps the staff and the, and the nominating committee know who would be good prospects for specific committees. It allows us to get more people, the ones on the fringes, involved. Because churches are notorious for burning out the 20% who do the 80% of the work. It happens. And we need all of the members of Pitts Baptist Church serving, investing in God's kingdom work. We encourage you to do that. You know, one of the greatest 
rewards in ministry. I think Pastor Scott would echo this. The rest of the staff would agree. Is seeing our church members start serving. And them seeing the eternal value in their work. It's what happens when you go on a mission trip and you see the power of God working right in front of your face. You want more of it. That's why our youth come home, our adults come home, bitten by the mission bug. They're racing. When are we going again? When do we start doing fundraising? Because I'm going to start saving money so I can go again. It's when you're working with those little children and the lights start coming on in their mind and you see them as a teacher and you're like, wow, they're starting to get it. It's working with adults that decide they are all in. And in some ways, our jobs as under-shepherds is done. That's exciting to see. It's sending the Brandons, the Katies, the Matt and Darians off to serve God full-time and multiplying in ministry. Is that hard to see them go? Yes, it is. But in our hearts, we're thrilled that we know they're going to work and give of themselves to God. This would have also included a group of unsaved seekers. There may be some of those here today. You've tried the promises made by the world. Promises made by other people don't give us much, much hope. In fact, they usually end with hurt. But maybe lately you've been hearing about the hope that is found in Christ Jesus. God may be working in your heart. You want to see if this is for real. Can I ask that group to be careful in your evaluation of the saints? We are struggling to be like Jesus, aren't we? We are far from being perfect. But God is patient with us. He is working on us and with us. And thankfully, He has forgiven us. But we want you to come and struggle with us. Jesus never said it would be easy. In fact, he told his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross if you're going to follow me. But think about the alternative. Walking in your own wisdom instead of tapping into the guidance of the creator of the universe makes no sense. Carrying the, the weight and shame and guilt of sin instead of being forgiven. Forgiven, folks. Think of that word for a moment. Living in the promises of this world that let us down every time. Leaving this life empty and separated from God and all that is good for eternity. We want you to experience eternal life. And that begins the day you trust Jesus as Savior. Come and struggle with us. How do we know that God's promises are trustworthy? How do we know? Look at verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. You know that to be Isaac, right? For people swear something greater than themselves, swear by something greater than themselves. 
And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope, there it is, set before us. Abraham is our example. God made a promise, a covenant to Abraham that he would be the father of many nations. His ancestors would be numbered like the stars. In fact, he had in Genesis 15, Abraham come outside and look up at the stars and said, this will be your generation. You can't even count them. Abraham was around 85 years old when God made this promise and gave him hope for a son. He waited. And he waited some more. And at 100 years of age, Sarah being 90, God reminded him of the promised son. Man, can you imagine becoming a dad at age 100? I mean, even reaching the age 100, let alone becoming a dad at age 100. Ladies, at age 90, God's promise would be fulfilled in Abraham's son, Isaac. But then you remember the test that God gave Abraham in Genesis 22, don't you? God told Abraham to take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. You know, if I were Abraham, I would have been reminding God of the promise that he had made. You said, God, that these nations would come through Isaac, and now you want me to go and kill him? To sacrifice him? But knowing the story, we know God was testing Abraham. Would he obey? Would he trust God with the promise? Most of you probably know the story. They packed up the supplies along with two of the servants. They got to the place in Moriah. Some scholars believe this place in Moriah could have been the same place that Jesus was actually crucified. Kind of crazy to think about. He tells the servants to wait there. He and Isaac would go over to the place to worship and come back to you. Even here, Abraham was trusting that both of them would return to the servants. Isaac asks his dad, uh, here's the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham, still trusting, responds that God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. They build the altar. The wood is put in place. Isaac, who was probably around 15 to 18 years old and probably strong enough to take the now 115-year-old man, is willfully bound. It says that Abraham laid him on the altar, but Isaac had to be compliant. Abraham raised the knife to sacrifice his son, and the angel of the Lord calls out to him and tells Abraham, do not lay a hand on him or do anything to him. God knew that Abraham feared him and provided a ram that was caught in the thicket by its horns. God truly did provide a sacrifice. God would one day, maybe even on that same mountain, 
provide his only son. The one whom he loved. But Jesus would be the only qualified sacrifice. There would be no substitute. Jesus would be the only one qualified. And so he would have to go through with the crucifixion. But in Genesis twenty-two eighteen, God reconfirms his promise with Abraham. And it is in this context that the writer of Hebrews is reminding us that when God does two things, we can know and be certain it will happen. What are those two things? First of all, he makes a promise. He makes a promise. And then the second thing, he seals it with an oath. And it says here, people would swear on an oath of someone greater than them, greater than their name. But it says here, folks, there was no one greater than Jesus' name. So God swore the oath on himself. Jesus had to take it upon himself to fulfill it. The writer also reminds us in verse 18 that it is impossible for God to lie. 1 John 1 tells us that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. He will not and cannot lie. Look what that does for them at the end of verse 18. It says, We who have fled for refuge, those who are under persecution, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Is that you? Are you holding to that hope that is set before us? Are you hanging on to Christ and his promises? Folks, life is hard. It's been hard. But we know that God has this. He's got this. We know that Christ wins. We should be encouraged. And as believers, why would we ever walk defeated? We watch the news. We see what's happening in our country. And we grieve over it. But guys, God knows all of it. God has a plan. God is going to make a way for sin to come to an end, for Jesus to return. All of this has to happen, and none of this occurs to God. He says, oh, uh-oh, look over here. How many times has God taken the evil circumstances of this world and used those things for his ultimate glory? Look at the story of his son. A betrayal by one of the twelve for 30 pieces of silver and a kiss. Denied three times by one of the inner three. All of them scattered. A mock trial that was illegal. Nailed to a cross for a criminal that in no way did he deserve. And he took all of that evil and used it for his own suffering so that he might die on a cross so that you and I could be made right again. God is at work. Oh, it may look bad, but I can tell you, he's at work. And God in the end wins. I love the next phrase in verse 19. 
we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor. Man, underline that verse. A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. Wow. We have that kind of hope as sure as what Jesus has done to make things right. Look back at 19 again. It says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope, there's that word, that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If you were to read on, you'd understand that Jesus did not go into the Holy of Holies in the temple or the tabernacle made with hands. That was a copy of the one that is in heaven. But Jesus went to the real one, the Lamb of God, into the Holy of Holies to make sacrifice for us. For you, Earl. For you, Don. For you, Miss Lois. Jesus did that for us. I've asked Charles Luther to come and close out this message this morning by reading the lyrics of a song entitled, My Anchor Holds. It was written by William C. Martin in 1902. And I want you to listen uh, to these words as he comes and shares. My Anchor Holds by William C. Martin. A reading. Though the angry surges roll on my tempest-driven soul, I am peaceful. For I know wildly, though the winds may blow, I've an anchor safe and sure that can evermore endure. And it holds, my anchor holds. Blow your wildest, O gale, on my bark so small and frail. By his grace I shall not fail, for my anchor holds, my anchor holds. Mighty tides about me sweep, perils lurk beneath the deep. Angry clouds o'ershade the sky, and the tempest runs high. Still I stand the tempest shock, for my, temp my anchor grips the rock. I can feel the anchor fast, as I meet each sudden blast, and the cable, though unseen, bears the heavy strain between. Though the storm I safely ride till the turning of the tide, troubles almost whelm the soul, griefs the billows overwhelm me roll. Tempters seek to lure astray, storms obscure the light of day, but in Christ, I can be bold. I have an anchor that shall hold. And it holds. My anchor holds. Blow your wildest then, O gale, on my bark so small and frail. By his grace I shall not fail, for my anchor holds. My anchor holds. If we had time, we could probably take testimonies. I look around this room and see people 
who would give testimony of that anchor. Amen? God has been so good to us. He has taken such good care of us. Do you have this anchor of the soul named Jesus as your Lord and Savior? We would love to talk to you down front, even after the service. Come come down and talk with us. Let us show you from God's word what it means to put your hope in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're already a Christian, but you have been living a defeated life. Is there some struggle that you need to turn over to him this morning? Are you searching for a church family? Don't go it alone. Is God asking you to join here with the family at Pitts Baptist? Whatever your need is this morning, listen to God's voice. Will you do that? Let's pray, and then Aaron is going to come and close us out in the invitation song. You let God work in your heart. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful for the plan that you have to redeem mankind. God, we so don't deserve that. But but when we look in the scriptures and we see how man has failed you, God, we are so thankful that Jesus, the God-man, was able to, to come and to die in our place. God, we thank you for that, and I pray we would never grow tired or dull to your teachings and what you have done for us. God, to even take some time today to think about the ways that we are anchored to you and how you have brought us through the storms of life. You never promised that once we were saved, all of those things would go away. In fact, you said, take up your cross. It's going to be difficult. Get ready. But I'll go with you. I'll be with you. I'll be that anchor for you. God, there may be somebody in this room that does not have access to that right now. And I pray, God, that if you're speaking to their heart, that even today, they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. For those of us who have maybe grown dull and forgotten about who you are, that maybe today we would be renewed to think about who you are and how holy you are and how righteous you are, that we would come back into fellowship with you, God, that we would do business and ask you to forgive us for whatever it is that's between us, God. Be with us in this time of invitation. We thank you for all that you do for us in being our anchor. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?
folks, thank you for coming today. Please remember uh, Pastor Scott and Miss Connie and Jonathan and Laura, too. They're uh, all away for, I think Jonathan comes back early in the week. Uh, but be praying for them that God, God would give them a time just to refresh and relax, spend some quality time together. Uh, it's always nice to be able to do that. But thank you for being here. I want to let you know, uh, Kevin and myself, we'll be down front. Sometimes it's daunting to come down front in an invitation when there's this many people looking at you. Um, but know that we're going to be down here. If you want to come, maybe the Lord this morning was talking to you about becoming a Christian. I would love, I'll, I'll wait to go to lunch. We can go back and sit, uh, and I'll show you from the scripture that it's not a, a Kevin Seeger or Knight or Fitz Baptist, or it's a God thing laid out in his word so that you can be anchored. To leave here today not knowing would be a, a kind of a scary thing. But we would love to show you from God's word what it means to be a believer and uh, let you pray about that and think about that and listen to what God tells you to do. Um, but guys, we're not defeated. We have an anchor that holds. Amen? I'm going to ask Jerry Sullivan. He's our deacon of the week. Jerry, if you come and close us uh, this morning in prayer. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do thank you for the sacrifice that you provided for each and every one of us. The sacrifice that paid the penalty for all of our sin once and for all. And Father, if there is one here who, today who has not made that decision to come to know you in a personal way and have their sins forgiven, I just pray you would speak to their heart and may they even after the service, come and speak to one of the Kevins today. And we pray for those of us who do know you, Father. May we have a heart of service for you, for all that you have done for us. How could we do anything less? We do pray for Brian Cook, Father, that you would just be with the doctors and give them wisdom in his treatment. And we pray, Father, that whatever your will is, it would bring honor and glory to your name. Be with us now as we depart, just uh, guide and direct us throughout this week. Keep us safe, and we pray for Pastor Scott and Connie that you would just give them the rest and relaxation that they need. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.